0: Terrible gibberish. Splintered memories looming up out of the time fog.
1: Just press play.
2: Welcome. Willkommen. Ich habe mein Deutsch vergessen. Bienvenu. Bienvenido. Bienvenuto. It's a terrible gibberish. I'm going to be your host, Michael James Bailey. I'll be guiding you through the gibberish. The clip that you heard at the start of the show was from the 1993 cult classic film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Johnny Depp's portrayal of Hunter S. Thompson. Terrible gibberish, splintered memories looming up out of the time fog. Well, the show's not all going to be gibberish, a bit later on we'll be talking to the one and only Stevie Howard about his experiences in the world of Northern Soul. But for now, my pal Tom's been in touch and he's sent us a little ditty for the show.
3: Terrible, 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 terrible,
1: terrible,
2: terrible, terrible, gibberish. Well, thanks for that, Tommy lad. I think we have a theme tune. Well, before we crack on with the show, I have to share with you a phone conversation I intercepted to my mum's cafe in Chipping. Let's have a little listen.
0: Uh, I'm calling up uh, to book a table for 17 of us on the 22nd of August. Uh, it... it, it, it my wife you see she's had a hip replacement as you well know and she struggles to step over things so if you could make accommodations for her in your outside toilet facility it would be greatly appreciated now my son-in-law you see he's one of these vegans so if you could make accommodations also for his peculiar eating dietary restrictions, it would be most greatly appreciated. Now, my three sons, you see, they they are big eaters, so if you could see your way to provide at least one hot pot and a vat of gravy for each of them, it would also be greatly appreciated. Now, it, it, it it, 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 my son-in-law, you see, he's one of these blacks. It, 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 I mean, it, it, that's besides the bar, really. But uh, if you could see where the booking is in for 27 of us on the 22nd of August 2020, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, this is uh, Reginald Rogerson uh, thanking you kindly. Thank you. Well... That was
2: certainly, uh, yeah, I'm sure we've not heard the last from Reginald Rogerson. Anyway, that's enough gibberish for now. like to take to a conversation I had with Mr. Stevie Howard, mid-August, in his home here in Lancaster. Stevie's home was uh, delightful, pictures of gypsy wagons on the wall acoustic guitar on the settee and it really was a great conversation, Stevie's, Stevie's got a really great story to tell so I invite you to sit back relax and enjoy here we go I'm here with the uh, the one and only Stevie Howard legend of the uh, open mic scene, all round good bloke and uh champion Northern Soul dancer, 1984. How are we
1: doing, Stevie? Not too bad, my friend. All right,
2: good stuff. Yeah, I guess we'll jump right into it. i am um, love to know how you got into the Northern Soul scene and how, how it went down.
1: Well, it all probably started... When I was a kid, I fell through a roof, 50-odd 50, 50 foot. Smashed up really, really bad. I was in hospital for... Six weeks, I was in a coma for six days. I came out of the coma, asked the nurse on the ward what the record was we were playing on the radio. And she said it was everything, everybody's come through fighting. I said, that's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Two days later, I came out of the coma. Six weeks later, I was back at home. For 18 weeks, I was bedridden downstairs in my parents' house because I couldn't get up, I couldn't walk anywhere. Uh, The brain was still swollen and I was suffering from vertigo and um, in an afternoon the old black and white films were on, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, But the ones that impressed me the most was the Nicholson Brothers. The Nicholson Brothers, right. Uh, They were Cotton Club Dancers and uh, I just love the style of which they were dancing mm. and the footwork and the timing and the gravity that they used to to uh, excel in this dance and it was absolutely a beautiful thing to watch and it was the one thing that caught my eye whilst I was going through all this recovery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when I got to uh, work where I was getting a little better which was probably about 13 months later uh, one of my friends came round for me and asked to uh, asked my dad if he could take me to the disco at the Lancaster right. City Football Club. Right. So uh, we went and whilst I was there, there was a, a girl dancing to this piece of music that I'd never heard before. And she was dancing from side to side, she was doing cartwheels, she was going into backdrops mm. to the time of the, of the music and spinning round and I was just absolutely mesmerised. Yeah, what she was doing while she was dancing to this music mm. so I went over to her and I said what is this music you're dancing to and she said this is Northern Soul and mm. that was my first introduction yeah. to the music but I sort of related the music to the dance steps because of the four bar Yeah, because yeah. I was counting the, the four bar and the eight mm. doubling up onto an eight and a twelve and a sixteen and the way she moved her feet or yeah. quickly moved her feet to, to whatever rhythm yeah. was going down, so um, all that was being played, so I fell in love with, with it, and with it. Um, I asked her where this music was uh, being played and where she'd learned to dance like that, and she said the Wigan Casino, which was on Station Road in Wigan,
3: yeah.
1: uh, so I, uh, I went back to school after the summer uh, of the following year, after the accident, and... Um, there was a lad um, called Kenneth Holmes, he, he, was, uh, yeah. he was at the bottom of the, the the hallway leading to the gym, and he just went into the splits and he came up and he, did, he was spinning round on one foot, mm. and he stopped there and he said to me, can you do that? And I said, what the fuck did you just do there? <laughs> anyway, he, he said, oh, I am into Northern Soul and that." said, well where would you learn to dance like that? Yeah, yeah. And he told me it was our Ladies Youth Club, mm. which, which was at. My skill, yeah, yeah, which I didn't really, I knew didn't know about him, and then um, as I became more and more interested in this music, and yeah. uh, he invited me down to to a Monday night session, right, which used to start at seven o'clock, till so half past ten, right, and uh, I didn't actually quite know one lad at end of my street that was into Northern Soul, and I asked if he, if I could go with him uh, and the other lad and uh, they decided to let me go with them and I said and I was walking down with them to the uh, to the, the Wild Ladies Youth Club and they were talking about records and such like I didn't have a clue what they were going on about and uh, I just got towards the school and I stopped and I was just about to turn down and walk away because mm. I didn't feel comfortable with it and mm. uh, and they shouted come on Stevie stop fucking about catch up <laughs> So I, uh, I chuck I chucked myself across the road and yeah, yeah. Um, we walked into this uh, youth club, and uh, I sat down next to the pool table, mm. and uh, the music started. Yeah, the lights turned off, dark, uh, in the in the in the, where the dance floor was, and mm. there was purple fluorescent light. And all of a sudden, these people started arriving, dropping their bags on the floor, yeah, yeah. the badges on, and. Just getting on the dance floor, chucking the course off and next minute there's 20, 20 people all dancing uh, to these Northern Soul Records. Yeah, yeah. Um, some were, were doing backdrops in the breaks, some some were spinning, some were stomping, yeah. some were just absolutely blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sat there and I remember recording at the time I couldn't dance a step. So I'm just just watching it and taking an all in awe of it all. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the guys who I went with, he was DJ, and he shouted me up onto the dance floor. I remember freezing. <laughs> and uh, they dragged me up, and uh, I got into the corner where no one could see me. And I, I like clumsily tried to move my feet from side to side, and yeah. trying to watch what they was doing, trying to copy it. Yeah. And um, uh, there was one guy that turned around. his name was Stuart Price, and he said to me, he said, don't give up. He said, come back next week. Mm. He said, You'll get better and better and better as you go along. Mm. That's it. And um, on my way home that night, after absolutely buzzing, mm. I uh, I managed to borrow a few records and practiced yeah, upstairs yeah. in the. Do you remember what records bedroom? you were? Uh, the record that I practiced to was um, "Don't Take It Out of This World." Adam's Apple. Time won't let me. The Outsiders. Uh, reaching for the best, the exciters. Yeah. And um, the new beat, the new beats. Uh, so, and then obviously I started buying records. I bought what Judy Street. Yeah. I um, bought um, like Adam and Eve, The Reflections, and Tainted Love by Ruth Swan Oh yeah. Uh, which was a pressing. Uh, the original was Gloria Jones, which is actually the best version of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, these records I danced to, I did, my dad said i wondering what was going on upstairs in the bedroom, mm. trying my backdrops and yeah, yeah. jumping and and in the air and kicking my leg out and just uh, basically making a racket with my record player yeah. in the corner, the Fidelity record player, the singles was dropping one after another, and then mm. I'd, uh, I'd put them back up and start again. So yeah, yeah. there was a couple of, three hours every night practising yeah. this dancing. I, I must have drove them up the wall.
2: But well, you, your dad, he was uh, keen to to get you boxing, was he? Right. You were yeah, here. the, the yeah.
1: boxing was there already before the accident, and the football was uh, yeah. was uh, part of it because I was quite good at football. Um, but unfortunately, the accident uh, disallowed me doing any of those things, mm. and I actually found something now that I could do that wasn't a contact thing. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was a freestyle. I wasn't. Dancing with any girls or anything like that—it was just a freestyle. The lasses did dance style their dance; they were fantastic, and I just danced and developed as the weeks went on. Mm. And then um, the time came for me to uh, to go to the Wigan Casino. Right. Um, By this time, I'd really come on and. I'd practised and practised and practised and uh, yeah. one of the first records that I always remember properly dancing to was A Touch of Velvet a String of Brass right, okay. which was a fantastic instrumental track yeah. by the Ron Grainer Orchestra I'm sure the original was by someone else but I just can't remember who mm. Yeah, yeah who that, that was another cover uh, so that was a record that stands out in my mind yeah. for our ladies youth club and no one knows what's going on in my mind but by, by me by, by the chiffons. Yeah. And the champion and uh, breakaway part one. Yeah. These tracks uh, I've got fond memories of.
2: I can see yeah. how it's like um something that could become quite addictive because you've got like the music. Inst- side of it. it was
1: inst- it was instantly addictive. Yeah. It was instantly addictive. I think what the, the, the message that was coming through these musicians and these singers was they've come from a, a background where things aren't very, going very well for them. Mm. And I think the lyrics and the words and, and the arrangement musical arrangements yeah. reflected what was happening to us. Yeah. Even though it was 1960s America, yeah. we're in the late 70s, early 80s. Mm. But that, that stigma of being uh, less fortunate yeah, and yeah. coming from... Uh, less privileged backgrounds, mm. so I would say that the actual music that touched me, or what I thought of it, was uh, very personal. Mm. Uh, yeah, and probably why every youth club across the country mm. was playing Northern Soul tracks right, because right. the kids from the working class and the lower classes were were um, adopting it. Yeah, because it they resonated with the lyrics and they resonated with the. Yeah, the yeah. musical arrangements and there's different styles of, and different areas where these records came from, right? And so, I think that was a, a big influence on me. Yeah, yeah. And um, and obviously all the other lads and lasses from all over the country mm. that converged on uh, the casino every Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. They get there for twelve o'clock. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job, um, in the casino. Mm. So I swept up after the heavy rock sessions in Mr. M's went mm. through the doors downstairs put the shutters on Keith Mitchell the first DJ who was an originally a torch DJ from Stock on Trent mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he had a bad leg uh, mm. he was disabled and I carried his records and I put them under the deck so when the first record was being played at the casino yeah. every Saturday or this night which was once i on four on Friday night yeah. that would be me putting his records oh, and yeah. I would be sat there with the 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 my, my friend Mark Farley and the two girls from Wigan, Jackie Platini and Josie Corus. We'd yeah. be sat there as that first record was being put playing. Really? Going back to the first night at Wigan Casino, uh, it was a must to uh, go up the stairs and look over the balcony. Yeah. And the casino had a, a unique atmosphere. It was the place was alive. Mm. It's all Victorian. The yeah. Georgian building had come, came, became a, like a, a magnet of, of electricity wow, and atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I remember when I looked over the balcony for the first time, there was two fluorescent lights, one above the stage and then one at the back of the room mm. where I was looking from. Um, my memories were there was a cafe right behind me mm. on the balcony and then on the left-hand side was Spencer's. Hmm. Where you could buy trousers and right. uh, vests and badges. Oh, ah, Okay. All uh, year. So, and then round the other side, you went down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, at both ends of the balcony, and at the bottom of the balcony, at the bottom of the foot dance floor was the record bars, which was really a bar with pe- record dealers there with all the boxes of records. Right. So the records were being bought and sold. Yeah. As the night it was uh, progressing. And right. uh, then. Uh, I went up to the dance floor for the first time. I had never saw shoes on. I slipped on some talcum powder and went on my ass. So I just uh, <laughs> sat down and uh, couldn't help but look at each and every dancer that I could get my eyes on. Yeah, yeah, So I went walking round and looking over the balcony and lo- along the dance floor just to see mm. different styles and yeah, yeah. and um, everybody had their own little routine what they used to do. Yeah. They'd have their own space. If you bumped into anybody you said sorry. Yeah. And and the the the, the, the respect was uh you know yeah, yeah. Get given back to you. And it was just a, a call that we had on the dance floor. Yeah. Um you uh, downstairs it wasn't too much of a pecking order. People mm. just danced where they want what where, where they wanted. Yeah. But at two o'clock in the morning Mr Rems would open up. Mr. Evans, and that was the that was the it was a hundred degrees in there, right. absolutely, the, the condensation would drip off the ceiling. Oh. You'd be absolutely soaking wet through dancing. Yeah, yeah. But the energy, the energy that was created through that music. Yeah. This was up-tempo records, hundred-mile-an-hour uh, tracks that um, you you would just uh, throw yourself into, and uh, you would. Uh, it was a form of escapism. escapism. And not only that, um, you just, uh, all your troubles and all your problems from your everyday life, that it mm. will just drift out of your head, and, and yeah, yeah. your body became, became a self-expressional yeah. piece of work that you were putting into your dancing. So yeah, yeah. it was an art form in a way. And, and, the, and, the, and the better dancers, the, the, the lads that were into the karate and um, that were fit fanatics, yeah. uh, and the girls as well. Um, very athletical dancing, it was yeah. very uh, full on, yeah. and um, you know, it, it, it was probably the best way of self expressing yourself to what, what the music was telling you yeah. and how you felt about it. And it yeah. was just a beautiful thing to see yeah. either a lad or a lass yeah. really into a, a track and really developing a style of dancing yeah. that was unique to that person.
2: So, how did you like from those first times of like going to the casino, getting the records, like how did you develop your own style? Did you have to? I, um, uh, I,
1: I went back to the, the, the Nicholson brothers. Hmm. Um, I had, for some reason, after the accident, I had like a photographic memory. Yeah. I could see something done once and I could do it, yeah. and I could take off people. Mm. I could watch other dancers and pick up straight away one, mm. what they were doing and their techniques and the one uh, lad that fascinated me the most at Wigan Casino was a lad called Sean Gibbons he was also from Lancaster right. and eventually we became good friends and travelled everywhere together Yeah. Uh, but he, he had a technique of doing like a, a karate kick Yeah. and he'd kick his leg out and he'd move his body to the side. And as he kicked his leg out, he used the gravity to pull his leg across his body, drop yeah. into a backdrop, come up off the floor. His legs would spin, mm. stop dead. He'd start spinning. And then he'd drop his arms behind his back and he'd pull him to the floor. Yeah, And the technique that he had for doing that was absolutely just superb. Yeah, fantastic yeah. to watch. Um
2: was this the same lad who encouraged you you were saying like you learn how to do the splits?
1: No, no, that that, that guy was called um Ken of Forms. Mm. Um that that going back to the Our Ladies Youth Club, um, because when we started going to Wigan we still went to Our Ladies Youth Club mm. and I couldn't do the splits. i saw I saw four or five different people do the splits mm. uh at Wigan. It was it was it was a main part of your dance routine so when the break came in the record and you went to the floor yeah. and did your floor work the splits was involved in it right, yeah. or the half splits um, so <clears throat> what Kenneth told me because he was a karate uh, champion yeah. he said what you've got to do Steve is just throw yourself down into the splits right. he said you've just got to do it Yeah. and he said things will rip it back of your leg right. but that means you, you've got to do that to be able to Yeah, so um, we uh, I just did it one night I threw myself down and I felt my leg rip Mm. and I got up and I thought oh fuck killed myself (laughs) Uh, and he he, he said that's good what you've just done he said you've got to do it again next week let it heal for a week and then rip it again no pain no gain so the second yeah Mm. no pain no gain so the following week I did it I did it and it absolutely hurt twice, as, 10 times more than the first one. And I remember mm. I was uh, getting out of bed to go to work a couple of days after the second time I'd done it. And my dad said to me, what the bloody hell have you done today? <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm learning to do splits. Splits? If <laughs> God wanted you to do splits, he'd have made you a lap piece of elastic band, wouldn't he? You, you <laughs> fucking idiot. Fuck it, stay at your leg. <laughs> I said, anyway, he went and got me a can of Raljex mm. and I sprayed my leg with Raljex. I said, it burned like foot, but it didn't hurt as much. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the jacks came with me to Wigan the following week and yeah. I just sprayed my leg up and danced. Yeah. And then when I went back to the youth club for the third week, I just looked at him I said, look, if it doesn't work this time, I'll fucking give him this splits thing up. Yeah. I said, my leg's a fucking mess. And he said, well, if you want to learn to do splits, you've got to go through it. Anyway, well, was dancing, I, th- I was absolutely shitting myself. Mm. Anyway, I threw myself in, I threw myself into it, and I went straight down, and I came back up, and nothing happened.
3: Yeah.
1: I said I did it again and again and again and again. I yeah. did it to every record for Rest at Night. I was that proud of myself. It was yeah, yeah, the yeah. elation of conquering this thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I suddenly. Realised something, which probably would be important to a lot of people. If you put your mind to something, you will achieve it. You will yeah. get there. Yeah. You just your discipline's got to be come before everything and yeah. I, and anything. And I, I it learnt me that that one thing just learned that silly thing. Yeah. yeah. learned me that. Yeah. And uh, I thought then once once I was able to do that that I probably would become one of the best dancers yeah. at the Wigan Casino. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to work then. I perfected my spinning. Yeah. I perfected the floor work. Yeah. I perfected, I div- developed my own style when I went to the floor. My dancing was my own style. Yeah. And I was picking up off other dancers' little mm. techniques and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the gravitational part of the dancing the ability to be able to control your spins. Yeah. Um that that was a massive factor and I I conquered that. Yeah. And I conquered my fear of uh slipping and falling and yeah. you know, which which quite can happen to anybody at any time, yeah. no matter how good you are. And uh all of a sudden this this thing came into my body that sometimes you didn't think it was me doing it. Right, okay. So it it was just there was a spiritual thing there for right. me. Wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, they went to um, the point of Mr. M's, right. where I was uh, brave enough to go onto the, the floor so for there, the first So you were
2: saying there's like, this this place opened up a different level in Wigan Casino, Mr. M's. Mr. Could, M's could anyone in? just walk in there?
1: Mr. M's was the upstairs dance floor. Mm. You first went in there and you watched. Mm. You didn't go on the floor because you had to be at a certain level right. to get on that floor. So if I just walked otherwise, in there... Otherwise, you would have just looked an absolute divvy. Right. And that's what they called you. Right. This isn't for divvies, this room. Yeah. This is for your seasoned mm. lads that have... You know, your karate experts, your fit yeah. fanatics, your lads that did... Sci- lads who were fit... Yeah. But on that floor, because you would stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, you would look the the lollipop. Yeah, and uh, you, you didn't go on there, and it would be people that you 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 hung about within there, that yeah. you met every week, and were your friends. They would say to you, "It's time to get on there." Yeah, and uh, it was actually my friends from Scotland, my Edinburgh friends. Yeah, who said, "Steve, it's time to get on there now." Yeah, get on there because they could see, obviously, what I couldn't.
3: Yeah.
1: It wasn't like video cameras today, where you could look at yourself and, and see. Yeah, yeah. You, you couldn't see what you was doing. You could admire and respect everybody else. Yeah. yeah. The feedback was quite big. and He said it was time to go on, and I, and I went on in 1980. It right. was the first time I went on the okay. dance for Mr. M's. And then week by week, I worked my way up yeah. to the front. The competition was on its way. And I knew it was uh from my friends and what people thought. The the, the new kid was here, the, right. the young kid was on the block. Yeah yeah. And uh I was ready to uh have a crack at the main man. Yeah yeah. And I felt confident enough, my, my dancing was 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 as good as anyone right, else's. You know, um so there wasn't well. There was, in my opinion, at that point, there was, a, there was, a, there was twenty t- dancers that were better or, 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 or just as good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as in, and I, I also realised that on the night you've got to be, you've got to be on your A game. Yeah. If you're going to take this title. Yeah. <coughs> Numerous lads had won it before. It was like Call Sandy from Baltimore. I think he was two times champion. Hmm. But at this, this moment in time, Vernon from uh, Bradford, he, he, uh, uh, he, he was a main man. Yeah, yeah. He was a main man. So uh, as well, like... I'm, he was the one to win for. Yeah. I'm
2: intrigued as well because you say, like, being on your A-game, and I, I know just from what people have said in the past that there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of drug uh, culture going on at the time. Like, how did, how did the amphetamines play a part in that?
1: Well, the... The amphetamines were um, it, it. It was an optional thing. Um, hmm. um, some people, like myself, went just for the dancing hmm. uh, of it. Um, I was no angel. I tried it a few times uh, at Wigan, yeah. and uh, it, 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 for me, I lost something when I was on that. Yeah. Uh, other people took it just for the sake of taking it because it right. was just uh, they would be quite happy to take, take some speed and yeah, right. and sit and look through records all night and chat all night. Yeah. I mean you got two speed <laughs> things talking to each other, they just it was like one <laughs> mile yeah. and off. And to be honest and truth for you, when I took it, or even if I didn't took it, I was quite private when I was there. Yeah. I didn't I had my friends who I who I spoke to. Yeah. You know, when I was on the dance floor I wouldn't speak to anybody. It was just about I the just I'm about, just about the, I was in my own zone yeah. I was in my own space and I wasn't letting anybody come into it yeah. I was just there for one reason one re- reason only and that was to it was a release yeah from everyday life the working life yeah um there wasn't much money about so uh yeah we took a couple of pills to get us through the night yeah we did I didn't need to because I was naturally fit and healthy and I didn't yeah. really need, need that but I did go into that little world for for a time. Yeah. So the the, the stuff we were, were messing about was it was a Backstreet Blues, Phylon, right. uh, Pink Champagne. Mm. That was pure fat. Uh, Dexedrine, Dura Fet, mm. You know whatever was going. Yeah. Whoever had whatever they had would 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 take that. Yeah. But I seem to have lost I lost something. Yeah. Uh, In a way, I probably, you know, it's, it's like cheating, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And exactly. it wasn't until two or three years later that I realised that I didn't need it in the yeah. first place. Maybe you were
2: saying, because like, when you were dancing, you, you, you said that it was like a spiritual experience. And maybe on some level, like, the drugs interfered with that. It, it did, did, Pure Definitely. spiritual yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it did. It did, and it took me quite some time to to realise that. Um, I'll explain that a little bit better later on. Yeah. Um, so um, the competition was on its way. I was up up at the near the front of the uh, Mr. Rems, so that indicated that I was obviously going to go in for it. Yeah, yeah. So I decided that I would go in for it, and I got to the semi-finals. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get through. Um. So there was a bit of a a rear up about it uh, yeah. that's from Scotland and other people like got on his case and that the DJs case he was judging the competition yeah. and said Stevie should have gone through he should be in final yeah and uh after a, a bit of kickback um he did approach me uh towards the end of the night and said to me if you come back on Monday to the May day all day, he said, there's going to be some more hits, I'll put you through. Yeah. And I just basically told him, I said, fuck off, you're not bad. <laughs> uh, what if I get to the final, what happens then?
3: Yeah.
1: I'm not going into a final where I'm going to look at cunt twice. Yeah. And basically told him to fuck off. But anyway, not- that was that. So, uh, Vernon won the final. Uh, so It sounds like there was a bit of, like, underhanded... The, 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 thing going you've on. got you've got an established dancing champion and 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 then I wasn't gonna like some young kid mm. just tech him even though he could yeah yeah I probably was the favorite to beat him, and you knew it by this point like you I, you, you were i never i never once in you know, all the time I was dancing thought I was better than anybody mm-hmm. I thought I was as good, but I never thought I was better i never I never bragged about it, I never showed off i just yeah. I just was at that level. I just found myself at this peak yeah yeah uh, at seventeen and uh i was i was fit fit enough and fast enough mm. and brave enough to 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 tech take anybody on
3: yeah yeah,
1: but not not in an arrogant way because I knew you had to be on your A game, one mistake, and you was gone right yeah, yeah. as simple as that. And I think overall dancing all round, I think he made more mistakes than me, so that gave me the edge if we was to ever meet in a final. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't meant to be. Um, And then Wigan closed down in October nineteen eighty one, September eighty one should I say? Mm. Uh, Afternoon was last night's, the very last night uh, at Wigan Casino um it was very very emotional because there wasn't that many people there right okay which you thought they would have been yeah but i think people that had been the week before thought that was the last night and (laughs) everyone got confused
3: yeah yeah
1: but the very last night with the casino memorabilia was being took they were taking ashtrays they were getting bits at the dance floor, trying to take just just trying to take whatever they could off the place. Yeah, yeah. To remind them of the their coming of age and their um their time there. Yeah. And uh I remember um the last three records that were played every week was Time Will Pass You by right. Long After t- Tonight is all over mm. and I'm on my way. They were the last three records played every weekend yeah every all night since it died, and um they were entitled the three before eight right and on the very last night he played the three before eight and then he played one more record, and he played it twice, maybe three times, yeah, and it was called the Jades and where it's at right and he played it three times and uh, then the actual night came to an end yeah this is it was, eight very, it was very emotional, mm. people were crying, it was all going on to each other. And I remember coming out of the casino for the last time and I was walking up station mm-hmm. road and I had two cigarettes in my in pocket <clears throat> and I had um, a book of matches, an embassy book of matches mm. and I got, I looked back and I could see people holding on to each other and crying mm. and I remember walking to the top of station road, and there was a bus shelter and there was a lad and lass in it and they were holding on to each other. And I remember the girl saying to her boyfriend, "What we're we gonna do now? <laughs> Where we're we gonna go now?" Yeah, yeah. And he asked me for a light. Yeah. And I gave him a light. And I looked at him. And I said, uh, "I hope to see you, you two again sometime."
3: Yeah.
1: At another all night, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I said I could feel myself filling up with tears. Yeah, I said, and I walked out to the train station, and I sat on the, the 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 old railway trolley, waiting for the train back to um, to Lancaster. And that was the end of an era for me. I got back to Lancaster. Yeah, I chucked my bag in the in the wardrobe. I took my pants off, my my bags off for the last time. Yeah, and I hung up in a a wardrobe, and that was the end of Wigan Casino. Right. So what? Where did it go from there? Like what? I got it, it, I got um Sean came a couple of a couple of months later. They said there's a there's an all night uh, staff at top of the world. Yeah. So we travelled down to that. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, saw a few people, friends <laughs> and, and such sites. and then Clifton all started at Rotherham. Hmm. So we started travelling through to to Rotherham on a Saturday. Mm. um, Catching the coach at Preston and going down with the Preston crowd down to uh, Rotherham. And then there was a May 1st suite up in Newcastle. Mm. That was another venue that was going at the time. And then some brilliant news came that the Central Pier was going to open and it was uh, Sean Gibbons, the lad I told you about earlier on in the dancing. Yeah. It was his, um, he'd got it, and he said, Stevie, I've got the pier. And I said, fuck off, you dickhead. So he went, no, I've got the pier. I've got it. So we talked, and I said, you need to get the DJs. Yeah. You need to get, we we're both excited about it. Yeah. So Sean, quite an intelligent, clever, entrepreneurial sort yeah. of guy. He was only a young man, but he was very, very cute. Yeah. He uh, he managed to get the DJs to come right. from the casino. So he managed to get Dave Everson, Russ Stanley. That was a guy who 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 I uh should have won dancing competition right. That's you know. Uh, we'll come to that later on. Yeah. Uh, why? Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, Dave Everson came, Steve Whittle came, he was a good friend of ours, um uh Brian Ray came, uh Richard Serling came and um Sean was DJing at that point. Mark Farley was DJing. He was a local lad. Um, And and numerous other guest DJs came. Uh, Gary Rushbrook. um, Stuart Brackenridge and his brother. They're called the uh, Soul Twins. Mm -hmm. They were Mr M's DJs. So everyone came. So everyone came. Yeah. And then what Sean did... On top of that, he brought um some of the artists over from America. Right, wow. He brought uh, Gene Chandler over. Yeah. He was famous for There Was a Time. Yeah. And I Could Take her Myself. His yeah. latest track, uh, when he did come over was about nineteen eighty two. He did a track called Get Down. Mm. And uh he uh he um he came over and uh he uh, he performed uh, his Northern Soul uh, tracks, yeah. and he he, uh, he, um, he he performed his new track. But the beautiful thing about that was, his, I was taken into his dressing room to meet him mm-hmm. um, by my friend Sean. He says, uh, "Jane Challis, went, Fuck off, you idiot! <laughs> he said, "No, he is." So, uh, where he took me in, and he told him that Steve is a, the dance champion. Yeah. He uh, he uh, he won the competition a few weeks ago. Yeah, he's like the the British Northern Soul best dancer in the country. Yeah, and um, Gene Chandler uh, replied, uh, "Well, I'll have to get you up with me when I perform a new track." Mm-hmm. And he did just that. So I got up wow. on the stage and I danced with Gene Chandler. <laughs> so um, and the crowd went mental. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the girls go up and some of the other lads go up and danced as well. So it was, right. it was just an absolutely incredible. Yeah, a highlight for me. Yeah, uh, winning the competition was was magical. But the the highlight. Yeah. Of the Northern Soul, for anybody would be dancing with one of your heroes. Yeah, I imagine, imagine. it probably
2: was with Gene Chandler as well. You no know? like, Yeah. This is interesting for me. Like a lot of these records that were popular in the Northern Soul were sort of forgotten about in the States originally and no, that. Like, these have sort of been, been like rediscovered. Yeah, basically. More obscure happened, records. Basically were, what happened to, to, to
1: the, to the, to, to these records, it wasn't called Northern Soul in America. It was just called Black Soul Records. It was American mm. Soul Records. And basically what happened, it was, it was going on is, is that the, the Black America was suppressed by the music industry. And it wasn't, there wasn't, um letting these kids through. Mm. And it only takes a, a, a decent ear of any kind of music to listen to some of the tracks. Some mm. of them were a little bit naive um, lyrically and some of them were a little bit naive arrangement-wise. But in general, some of them was absolutely pieces of genius. Mm. And these kids w- was deprived yeah, yeah. From, from expressing and, and getting what they should have got out of it. Yeah. So I've always, always in my heart th- thought that these uh, groups mm. and these female singers and, and, and these solo singers uh, and these, these kids that sex session players that, and, and, and bugle players and trumpet players and saxoph- saxophonists and all the other in- instruments that piano players, you know, they should have got a lot more recognition yeah. for their talent yeah, uh, so the records will be played on a local DJ station so someone would create a record label the records would be you go into the recording studio, record the record the record would be pressed and acetate would be sent to the local DJ stations it normally had DJ copy written on it mm. or acetate which they were, if if you've got a really good record that's the one you look for, the acetate mm. the original so uh he was in. He was into the money. That then. then record. That record was uh, a lot of money. Right. Okay. So, um, going back to things, the was played a few times on the local records, uh, radio stations, and because the records was didn't get anywhere, huh. they uh, they were thrown in the vaults. Right. So they kept the vaults at the um, at the uh, record labels. were Okay. Hmm. But our vaults were the records that was it the white Americans didn't want,
3: Yeah,
1: got put into vaults. Um, and this went on for numerous, numerous years mm. until Motown eventually broke through. But some American artists were already travelling over to, to England yeah. to play on the top of the Pops in Manchester because that's where it was them days, which brought the uh, Twisted Wheel back into... Yeah, uh, You know, the Twisted Wheel was the first Northern Soul Club so they played there and and kids would go mainly school lads yeah. would go to that club and dance all night yeah. and some of these artists would play
3: right
1: people like guys Redding, right uh, people like bobby and billy Purify, uh junior walker played there right so that 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 was uh, an in, an introduction not just to the records but to the the music for the white Backstreet yeah. kids of 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 England, yeah. and mainly Manchester at that time.
3: Mm.
1: Um so yeah, that's that's basically how I feel about yeah. the, the, the musicians and the artists that created created what we yeah, could know yeah. was northern soul, but it was American black soul music. <coughs> it's all sixties, mm. and then we move into the 70s, and then the 80s was like your modern. Uh, records yeah. uh, Philly Simon and and, and and people like that so they yeah. there was uh they were the new modern which caught on at the casino yeah and it's still going strong today because people love modern soul yeah. just as much as Northern Soul but the two go together so normally when you've got a venue you'll have a Northern Soul room and you'll have the modern soul room. I see. You yeah. know, or they'll or they'll cross over. Yeah. And, or, and DJ will play one or two of them or yeah. on in the Northern on the Northern because they were that well well produced and amazing, yeah. people loved it, so yeah. that that's it regarding so, the record.
2: So what sort of record like thinking about a competition for yourself, like what sort of records stand out in your mind around that time?
1: Um at uh, Wigan Casino, one of my favourite records uh, was Little lamb. What 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 could I what would I do? Mm. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant arrangement in it and there was a brilliant break in it it was like a mid-tempo to slow record yeah but it gave you a chance to put in like a really good work work rate uh, that wasn't fast that you could it was just like a like a crawling type style of dancing yeah and when I Used to kick my leg up and bring it across my body, yeah. and drop in into a semi backdrop and then I'd come up in the air, and I, I'd be spinning on one foot, yeah. and I would just continue through the break until yeah. it stopped, and then I, then I would I, I would kick kick my right leg forward, yeah. and stop dead on the floor, or go into another backdrop. drop, yeah. I mean, it was just a beautiful record to dance to. So enough enough
2: energy, but like also enough space for yeah expression. yeah just
1: just yeah it was it, it, was, it uh, a, a record that you you could really self-express to really well. Yeah. And I remember coming off the dance floor at Wigan and I two a round of applause. Yeah. So I, I... Not only did I feel it when I was doing it, this spiritual thing that was in me that I felt, I felt yeah. that this was a perfect dance of my old dancing yeah. life. Uh, so... Yeah, it was it, that was special to me that, and obviously special for the people watching. But to get a round of applause coming off the dance floor was quite yeah yeah quite you know <laughs> quite special yeah yeah. So um that 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 always sticks out in my mind that one yeah. Uh, the other records played at Wigan, uh, I would say um, Gene Washington, I don't like to lose. That was quite a big record. Hmm. You call them floor packers, right? Yeah, and that was so. Oh, if the DJs had a copy of that and they played it, that floor was packed. Oh yeah, because um, your mind, the vibrations was another floor packer that was yeah. quite a fast tempo. So one. Even
2: idiots, idiots like me, could dance with me. The old
1: I love music. Was it? Yeah. Was it another big floor packer? Yeah, it was all feel good mm. uh, tracks, and uh, the kid, the kids. Uh, resonated and and was straight onto it, straight onto the floor. And people would chuck things down, bags and just Mm -hmm. run onto the floor when certain records Mm -hmm. come on. They were that excited at that. They'd gone all all that way just to listen to that one record. Right, yeah. So if it was was upstairs or it was doing something they would just stop dead where they was and they'd run straight onto that yeah. dance floor. Run on to literally run yeah, onto yeah. the dance floor because they didn't want to miss it. Because yeah. they might not ever get to hear it again until the following week because yeah. not all the records that they played at Wigan uh, were accessible. You, you didn't have... They would have these uh, rare records that no-one yeah. else could get hold of. So mm. the only way you would get a chance to, to listen to them was to... And you might be waiting around for hours till that one track come on. Right, yeah, yeah. uh, there was one that I... I uh, I used to love dancing uh, to um, was uh, Rainchild or the Astral Trip, Mystic moves. Yeah. Mystic moves, Mystic Music. What ones that they were the ones that made me run on the floor. <laughs> but when Little Ann came on, I just oof yeah, it just blew me. That was like a five o'clock at morning record. Right. so you you were just getting your second wind now and you you've a you know the records the DJs knew to slow the records down yeah. and then bring them back up again and yeah. it was just they just knew it was very very cute and clever how they, how they arranged they put the records together for the sets yeah. so it, it was really yeah it was a really special time yeah yeah um yeah and that's my fondest memory of Wigan I would, I would imagine yeah um going back to the pier um yeah pier so, so there was
2: life after the the uh, the Wigan Pier, right? You were Wigan saying Casino.
1: Wigan Casino. Uh, yeah, after Wigan Casino, we we travelled down to uh, Top of the World, Stafford. We also went to Clif- the Clifton Hall in Rotherham. Very, very both Very good all mm. Um You'd have a couple of DJs from Wigan at one, and a couple of, at another there. You might have one somewhere else. We went to Mayfair Suite up in Newcastle. We went to and all day at Yorkshire. We went to Sheffield Tiffany's. And then eventually the pier opened through Sean uh, Gibbons, and then we got the Wigan line up to the pier hmm. and then uh, it all started again with the competitions yeah. um, the first competition I danced in was in nineteen eighty two yeah and uh this was Stevie's time to shine so this this was me leading up to what was to, to, to be possible for me later yeah. so I entered the dancing competition and uh, the final then was danced on the stage and there was three of us that got to the final there was a lad from Peterborough there was a lad from Edinburgh and there was myself in the final and my brother Downley mm. and um, I got on the onto on the first record I was feeling not too too well that night, and obviously I didn't realise what was about to happen. And I was dancing to "Love Your Baby," which was the second record. First one was "I'm Gone, Eddie Park." "Love Your Baby" was Ashford and Simpson. And uh, when I got halfway through the the, the second record, I uh, I keeled over. Mm. And I started, I was I, I was sick, and I couldn't carry on. Mm. So I was halfway through the second record of the final of the biggest dancing competition of my life, mm. and I thrown up and 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 um, I was literally couldn't get up. Mm. Uh, I went home about an hour later. I blown my chance. Uh, it turned out I had glandular fever, oh no. so I was I was laid up for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. Uh, in fact, it took months to get, get right. So, my big, my big chance had gone. Mm. The following year, I was training. I was coming back. Started feeling good again. Yeah. And then I, I had another accident. I fell off a scaffold. I hit my back. Mm. And that put me out of the, the, the competition the following year. Which I would have loved to have danced in that because Vernon turned up. Oh, right. So, yeah. the Scottish guy, the reigning champion and the the ex-champion from Wigan Casino who was meeting up. (coughs) The only regret wasn't getting him in the final, so I was absolutely gutted. But in all honesty, I was there the night they danced the final, and in all honesty, in my personal opinion, and I'd studied a lot of dances, I actually thought Vernon had had beat him. Right, yeah. But he got it again, so he won it twice on trot. Yeah. And I actually thought Vernon had beat him. Uh it wasn't to be for another twelve months that I was gonna get another chance to uh go for it. So yeah. um I uh I started training in February. I started running two miles in the morning, two miles at night. And I was doing a hundred sit ups and a hundred press ups every day. Yeah. And I was going out dancing. 100 squats, 100 set 100 press-ups. And I was going out dancing every night. I was going to um, Scarfway on a Monday night. On a Tuesday night, I was going to uh, the R.I.B. Club in Preston. Mm. Uh, on a Wednesday night, uh, I'd be going th- uh, to um, down to Morecambe to the Broadway on a Thursday uh, I'd go to Our Ladies Youth Club on a Sunday I'd go to Our Ladies Youth Club and on the Monday I'd go to Our Ladies Youth Club yeah. leading up to uh, to this competition and so I, I was out nearly every night dancing yeah. and I was training so by the time April came April, May I was ready to go I was, I was super fit Yeah. Uh, I didn't do weights I just natural training swimming yeah uh, and running, uh, so I was I was good to go, uh, and obviously the all nighters were on every week yeah. leading up to to the competition. So I, I was quite very 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 fit, super yeah. fit. I was, probably I did probably didn't feel as fit as I was when I was seventeen. Mm. You know, so I'm going up to twenty two now. Yeah. So um, oh yeah, twenty two, twenty four between 22 and 24 so I'm coming up to uh a good I, w- I was fit but I was more experienced and I had yeah. more more uh, in my abattoir. Yeah. So abattoir I mean, <laughs> whatever it's you put the word in. But <laughs> don't be like uh, uh, so yeah so I, w- I was strong I was I was and I felt good. Um determined as well by the coming, me, coming into it. it and I, beat, and I, I was I, I kicked myself beat myself up over uh, the first one because uh, I could have been going for the third championship so I could have been three yeah. times champion uh, so anyway you know, leading up to the, the, the dancing competition on the night my brother was already in the final because he danced uh, the week before I wasn't at the all night of the week before but he was uh, so he was already in in the final, um, I got there that night, and I had to dance two weeks to get to the final. So mm. I got to the to the final, and I and then I I went I went outside to uh, to just take a breather and that. And I remember looking across the this nice breeze being there, and uh, it was just beautiful. Was smoking a cigarette, and then uh, one of the bouncers came to us and said, "Steve, they they're getting ready." So I went into uh, into back into the the pier and there was a dance floor right at the front of the pier. Yeah. It was a real warm up room, and uh, I said to the bouncer, "I said, I, he said half three. They do it. They're doing it." I said like right, okay, so I had half an hour. Hmm. So I had a little warm up dance, and then I went back out again. Uh, and then I came back in, and then I got showered in. They were ready. I was just trying to keep cool. Yeah. So like I had a bit of uh, lime and water with icing, mm. with a lot of icing, and I was just drinking that. So I got in because it was quite warm and I got in, and then they come uh, as I was walking towards the stage, uh, walking towards the, the dance floor, because this time it, the they uh, it changed it from going on the stage to on the actual dance floor. So the dance floor was cleared, and uh, as I was walking towards the dance floor the guys from Scotland's friends were there, and one of them stopped me and said, we've been watching you all up tonight. He said, he's got no chance. Yeah. And thought a little bit about it before the the competition, so I just said to him, what will be, will be. The Mm -hmm. best man will walk off there. Yeah. And that's all I said, and I went on the dance floor, and the music started. I think the first record was uh, The Artistic's, hope we have, I think the second record was Ashford and Sis, Simpson "Loves You Baby." So you didn't get to choose the record, no. The records, uh-huh. and then the third record was uh, "I'm Gone" Eddie Parker. Uh-huh. So my brother was there. He was. I wasn't looking at anybody. I wasn't looking at anything. I wasn't looking at what the Scotch guy was doing or the other lad from Peterborough that was in the final. Hmm. And at the end of the third record, I was just picked up and put straight on stage.
3: Yeah.
1: And I picked my 100 quid up and I showed it, I gave half of it to my brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I became the Northern Soul Dance Champion. Yeah. At last. So I walked outside. I was absolutely soaking, went through, and I walked outside. I was patted to death on the way out. Yeah. The whole place went mental because half of Lancaster like and Walker must have been there. There must have been four and a half thousand people in there that night. Yeah. So I walked outside and I walked round the back of the pier. And I was looking over towards Greens. I could see all the lights, stars were out. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm. And my little sister came out to roll. She brought a towel, she sat next to me. And she said, "How do you feel, Stephen?" I said, "I feel good." She said, "How do you feel up there?" I said, "I never like being in competitions, because when I was in, when I'm in competitions, I feel like I've got like I've got something to prove, mm. and, I, and it, 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 it stiffens me up and it, it freezes me up and it, I don't yeah. feel free." Mm. She said, "How do you feel when you're dancing anywhere?" I said, "I feel I feel God's presence." I feel this beautiful thing comes over me, and it 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 gives it, it gives it, it gives a pleasure I can't explain. I said, "But don't you fucking tell anybody I said that." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was my sister. God love her. Deepest safety you can ever know. Yeah. But um, she also loved Northern Soul dancing. She danced every chance she could, and yeah, she loved it. And my little brother Darley was a year younger than her. He, he uh. He came out the following year. Yeah. And um, he went to the Carlton and uh, we worked on a move of back from or into to the Splits. Yeah. And um, we were just sat in the house and talking about it. He was more bothered about me turning up. Yeah. Because he didn't want to dance against me. <laughs> uh, but I actually thought he was a better dancer. Yeah. Everybody to the own. But he he was my... You know, Sean was the one at Wigan that, that, that I, I love watching him. Yeah. And I thought he was as good as anybody. Uh, but Downey was somewhat special. Yeah. Um, anyway, the day of the competition, which was, was, was 12 months later, I was at the Calton. It had moved from the pier to the yeah. Calton. So um, uh, he set off for the All Nighter. And he well, you better not turn up. I said, well, I'll come in and talk <laughs> So him. So he's, he's gone, probably with the thought of me turning up yeah. in his head. Because it was his it was his big chance.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, I was sat with my dad, and my dad's looking at me, I'm looking at my dad, the clock's ticking. So what's time will competition be? So it'll be three o'clock in the morning, or just after.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> well, you go down and see how he gets on. I said, "You go down, know oh, something? He said, "He no you go. You know, you know exactly. You, you, you go and see it, see if he's done it. He could not wait to find out, because yeah. he's already got one champion. He's got <laughs> one. He's got one. Very uh, proud, and he's he, he, he's hoping for the second one yeah, to do yeah. the same. So, uh, caught the taxi down. He paid for it. Walked upstairs." the competition had started, I saw him do the back somersault into the splits, and uh, I just walked out, got the taxi back,
3: yeah.
1: I just heard the crowd roar, and that was it, and it, 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 it I didn't even wait for a result, I said I knew, I knew he'd win, it. he'd win, yeah, yeah. so I've got back, and, I, and I walked in, and, just sat there. I just wait. Kitchen had a brew. Didn't say nothing to him. Just walked back and just sat on the chill Just sat looking at the television. <laughs> and he went what's going on? What's going on? Anticipate. I said he's won it. Yeah. Yes, he won. Us. <laughs> uh, he, we were jumping up and down in, in living room, at, uh, our uh, uh, our house on this on the marsh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, when he come back uh, the next day, he got a bollock in. And then I was stood there with my hand down. <laughs> I Said what? I said fifty fucking quid, only four. So I got me hundred quid, and I got it twelve months yeah, later. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> he got hundred, <laughs> I got hundred. No, you have an amazing story, Stevie, and like you were there, at, like, at the heart of this while it was it was actually happening. But like, do you think there's there's any future for like Northern Soul? Maybe not even just that kind of dancing, but I feel like we don't express ourselves in the same way these days no one's that committed anymore to dancing you go out on a friday night and people are shuffling around but there's no real real dancing that goes on do you think there's any any hope for
1: that spirit well after after the kids came along and and such like the dancing sort of He sort of eased down bit by bit, bit bit by bit, mm. and there was a couple of clubs in Lancaster were on the back end of me and my brother. There was some top dancers in Lancaster. Yeah, there was some breaking crews in Lancaster. Break dancers. Right. Yeah. So there, and and not only were they part of a crew, they was all individually mm. very very good dancers. And my last sort of self expression on a dance floor was in the warehouse mm. about twenty years ago. In Preston? No, it was in Lancaster. Mm. It was on North Road. It's gone now, like most other places. And we was in there one there was a guy called Steve Johnson and he he was a fantastic Northern Soul dancer mm. and freestyle dancer. There was Dennis Career, break dancer, freestyler. Tony Morgan was fantastic. He was a, he was a dance champion in his own night. Mm. Um, and my brother Downey and a young lad off the large called Paul Thompson. Mm. And he came up to me, this, uh, Steve Johnson, we're all going to go on one after another to do our thing. Yeah. And uh, this was the last time that I ever, and he wanted me to go on last. Right. And they all went on one after another and the young lad went on and then I finished it off. Mm and the place went absolutely mental Mm. the place went mental because he'd never seen that ever no one had so you've got the young kid you've got the old man which is me and you've got these (laughs) different steps in besides stepping down to this young man and um, someone once came up to me and said he was the best dancer in Lancaster I said well if you'd have been at the warehouse that night you would have seen the best dancers in the country.
3: Yeah.
1: And some of them, most of them, are from Lancaster. Yeah. So <laughs> you would have had to have been there to see it, to experience it. Yeah, yeah. And I was quite proud to be part of that. Yeah, yeah. So that was the end for me, that was you know. Yeah. So um and as, you know, you get older you start to realise you can't injuries come back at you mm. to haunt you. And, you can't do it the same as you can. I still do a little bit, mm. just about, but nowhere near on the on the level of them days. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's a great story. But like you know, we
2: I see you performing at the open mics. You got a beautiful style, but I've also heard you do uh, great great poetry. Many occasions. Like, have you got anything?
1: Well, I've uh, I probably got this one yeah, which, which, which would reflect the last night at Wigan Casino. That last look over the balcony through the atmospheric mist they kept their faith, their hearts, their souls their bodies beautifully self-expressed on a dance and powdered floor to their beautiful black American music that embraced and lifted their souls up to dance to a defining rhythm that's forever timeless and we'll be forever theirs. Northern soul.
2: Alright. Well thanks a lot Stevie. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can find some of that music and, and stick it in. But thanks for chatting to us.
1: No problem my friend. Alright <laughs> It's been a pleasure. It's been emotional. <laughs> <coughs> Do you want to live room? Well.
2: Stevie Howard there. The one and only. Many thanks to him. What an amazing story, eh? You'll be pleased to know that I did stick around for a brew and me and Stevie uh, chatted on for a good while. Teller of stories is the great man. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here. Terrible gibberish. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Enjoyed listening to a bit of music, hearing a bit of nonsense from the lads. Many thanks to Stevie Howard again. Um, we'll be back soon for more gibberish. But before we go, here's uh, a Holden with a mysterious train story. See what Holden has to say.
1: Strange train journey experience. Ticket guy comes along, looks at me, says, All right, mate, where are you going? I said, Oh, Grange over Sands. He said, All right, just checking where everyone's going. Gave me a smile and on his way.
2: Free ride. Well, thanks for that, Holden. There's a lad who always seems to land on his feet. Free riding. Well that's it. That is all we've got time for. Join us next time for more nonsense, rubbish, boulder dash, blather, blether, dribble, gobbledygook, mumbo jumbo, rot, tripe, hogwash, baloney, bilge, bosh, bull, bunk, guff, eyewash, piffle, twaddle, poppycock, phooey, hooey, malarkey and dribble. On terrible gibberish.
0: A ciao, Reggie Rogerson again. Uh, I- I'm just calling because I must. Str- I'm calling. I'm talking to them now, dear. I want FONT now to him. Uh, I want. I want fun. Uh, sorry about that. I must uh, stress the importance of the outside toilet facility. As my wife, you see, uh, 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 my wife, you see, she's incontinent. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you know familiar with what that is, but it means that when she has urine in her bladder, she can't control her, her urinations. Uh, it, it, so I must stress the importance of the outside uh, toilet uh, for
1: the occasion. Uh, This is Reggie Rogers, and I'm much obliged to you.